What's going on Saturday night? How you guys doing tonight? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining us for our final week of this series that we're calling The Fight of Your Life. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series over the last eight weeks? I mean... Okay, quite a few of you. Some of you are like, this is the worst series ever. I understand because you're probably in the middle of the fight of your life and you didn't really want to hear some more about it. But I, here's what I know is that I believe that God has been speaking to a lot of us. He's going to continue to speak to a lot of us. Before we kind of dive into that today, uh, I want to remind you that next weekend is our, our legacy offering. And so I, I want to remind you guys of what legacy is about. Legacy is about our faith. It's about our family. It's about our future. We're believing God for some incredible incredible things in this coming year. And we said over the last couple of years, man, we wanted to uh, not only not only do some upgrades to this location and launch some additional locations, which we're getting ready to do with Lighthouse Point launching January 9th. We're excited about that. They have a, they have a big uh, team meeting tomorrow night over there. We had a, a hundred and almost 30 people over there a couple of weeks ago for a launch of that. And then we said we could expand this Parkland location. And, and I'm excited because this week we poured a lot of our slab they're starting to form up tilt walls out there. And so, man, things are happening. Uh, you can see the facility behind me. And we, so we said all of those things would cost us about $3.75 million to be able to accomplish all three of those things over the last couple of years. And over the last couple of years, you guys have given a little over $2.65 million towards that above and beyond your regular giving. I mean, that's incredible. You should give yourselves a hand because that's that's impressive, which means, and sorry if you, you hear my voice cracking, uh, I, I've been sick over the last couple of weeks and I've been losing my voice like every single week. And so it's a miracle that I'm even up here talking to you today. We thought maybe Shayla would have to be preaching, which some of you guys would have rather preferred, but it's all good. Uh, you got stuck with me. Maybe they'll get her tomorrow. Who knows? Um, so that meant that we had about 1.1 million left to accomplish all of this, to be able to finish this off as a church. And so uh, next weekend, we're going to be giving towards this, and we're believing God for 1.1 million. And so here's what we're asking you to do. We're not asking you to give. We're asking you to pray. We're asking you to pray and, and listen to whatever God says and be obedient to it. And we believe that God will show up and show off in some absolutely incredible ways and we'll see God provide like he has always provided for us he, how he's always provided in your life and it's going to be an incredible thing and we'll celebrate together all that God is doing so why don't you guys go ahead and grab those sermon notes that are on your chair as we get ready to dive into week eight of the fight of your life and we've been talking over the last seven weeks about spiritual warfare we've been talking about the fact that the the things that we're facing in life the battles that obstacles, um, the circumstances that we are dealing with in life are way more spiritual than we realize. A lot of us think that we're dealing with our, our, our in-laws and we're dealing with that boss. And, and, and yes, we physically are. But behind all of those things, there is a spiritual element that is taking place. And there is a battle that is going on that is unseen. And so a lot of the things that we're facing, while they look physical, there's really a spiritual element behind it. And so we've been going verse by verse out of Ephesians chapter 6, and we're, we're looking at some writing that Paul wrote to the church about how you can actually live victorious in life when it comes to these spiritual battles. And so starting in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13, it says, therefore put on the full armor of God. And I think it's so important. We've been learning every single week about 
Every single piece of the armor, it's not like we just put some of it on and leave some of it off. It's about putting all of it on in our lives so that when the day of evil comes, and listen, the day might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but the day of evil for every single one of us is coming. Where there's gonna be some days that we're gonna face some obstacles. He says, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We learned about that in the first week. The breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so today we're ending this series on the last piece of armor that he tells us to take up, which is the sword of the spirit, which he talks about is the word of God. And we've been looking at this soldier. The, the context of this is Paul is actually sitting in prison. He's writing to the Christians in the church in Ephesus. And as he's sitting in prison, he's relating the Roman guard that's standing there watch over him. He's looking at all of his armor and he's saying, listen, if we're gonna fight our battles, it's not a physical battle that we're fighting. It's actually a spiritual battle, but there are some things that we need to put on. We need to put on the belt of truth in our life. And we need to strap on the breastplate of righteousness to protect the vital organs in our life. And we need to have, um, make sure that we have the shoes of peace on and, and we need to make sure that we have the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and then he gets to the the soldier's sword and and he looks at this thing and he goes you know what we need we need a sword because here's what the sword was if you're taking notes the sword is the soldier's offensive weapon it's the offensive weapon that that he was given because every other single piece of armor so far has been about how do we defend ourselves? How do we protect ourselves? How do we make sure that we are not getting hurt? But, but we not only need a good defense, we need some offense. And so this is the offense that he's given to us. And you're going, well, why, why do we need an offense? Because John 10, 10 reminds us that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Like we have to remember that there is an enemy that is out there, that we are not just fighting against some, some optical illusion, that there is an actual enemy out there, the devil, who wants to steal, who wants to kill, and who wants to destroy everything about your life. But Jesus gave us some hope, and he said, but... I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so we have to know that there is actually an enemy out there. And so we have to know who he is and we have to be prepared for him. And we have to not only be ready to defend ourselves, but we have to be ready to actually take offense to the enemy. Because how many of you know that the best defense sometimes is a great offense? I don't know about y'all, but I love sports. And, and what I love about sports is I love when teams run up the score. Like I, I was watching some of the Michigan-Ohio State football game today. And if anybody's an Ohio State fan in here, you, you got run up today. In fact, you got ran over. Why? Because, uh, because a, a, a good offense will beat a defense a lot of the times. And so sometimes we have to go on the offensive and, and, and we have to take it to the enemy instead of waiting the enemy to take it to us and defending ourselves. 
How much better would our life be if, it, if instead of always playing defense, we started going on the offense every once in a while? We started taking some ground instead of getting pushed back in life. I don't want to just stand. I want to move forward. And for some of us, it's time for us to be able to get to move forward in life. And Paul says that the offensive weapon that we have is the word of God. When he describes the sword of the spirit, he's saying, listen, this offensive weapon that we have is this book right here. It's called the word of God. It not only will help us defend our life, but it will also help us go on the offense against our enemy. See, the word of God not only provides the Christian soldier with a solid defense, but it also gives him a potent offense. And so I, I, I have a sword here. And so this week I was, I was uh, I actually over the last couple of weeks, I've been telling my assistant I need swords. And so somebody got me a sword and I was like, give me the biggest sword you can find. Because if I want a weapon, come on, how many of y'all know if I want a sword, I want to bring a sword like this to a fight, right? Is it, uh, come on, you got to be more talkative to me today because I got all night to talk. Like, if you're picking weapons, aren't you picking the biggest sword you can find? Like, I'm like, I want to get some distance between me and you. I want to be able to fight. Some of y'all are like, right, you need to stop pointing that at me. But so I thought, I thought for sure it's all about having the biggest sword. But, but here's what I realized as I started studying this. The, a Roman centurion would never choose a sword like this. Like, actually, this is super ineffective in battle because of, of the weight of it, because of the size. Like, this is a sword that makes sense for you. This is not a sword that makes sense for me because I can't even, like, uh, like I can't even sheath it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this is on my belt of truth, like, I'm trying to get it out. I can't even get it out. So, so the sword probably would not have looked like that. It probably would have looked something like, oh. I know it's so difficult, babe. It probably would have been, it probably would have looked something like this. Now, some of you are like, that's a puny sword. That, like, that's a weak sword. But here's what I learned is that every sword, a Roman centurion would have actually had a sword that would have been two to two and a half feet long. And the reason it would have been shorter is because it needed to be able to be swung around as, as easily as possible. And most of the time, the sword was not swung around. Most of the time, it was just used to jab. It was used to, to just stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. And they would actually practice. Uh, this was super interesting to me. They, they would actually practice with weaponry that was uh, two to four times the normal weight in training. So when they would actually get into battle, they would not get worn out in the midst of battle swinging the sword because they'd been training with something so much heavier. In other words, they, they had spent so much time putting it in a, in a Christian perspective. They had spent so much time in God's word that in the midst of the battle, they were not worn out by the battle. They were actually invigorated in the midst of the battle. Like they were so prepared. They had been training. In fact, I heard a friend of mine say this years ago, the, 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 the more you sweat in peacetime, the less you'll bleed in wartime. And some of us were bleeding in wartime because we never put in the time and the effort during peacetime to understand the weaponry that we needed to get into our life to not only protect us, but also be an offensive weapon in the battle to which God has called us in, in life. 
So this is critical. Not only do we have to have something that defends our position, but we have to have something that we're able to take on the offensive in, in all of this. And if you notice in all of this armor, there's really never any protection for your backside. Which means that we were never called to run away from a fight. And a lot of us, we've been running from things for a very long time, and we're wondering why we continually get defeated, because you were never called to run, you were called to stand. You were called to take some ground, and instead of running from your problems, what if we started to face them with a solid defense and a potent offense through this thing called the word of God, because here's what I know is that everything that the enemy has stolen, God wants us to take back. In fact, this week, this week I, I, I started listening to an old, this is just random stuff right now, Saturday night. You're, this Sunday morning is probably not going to get this, so just so you all know. But I started listening to old back in the day gospel hymns. I, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under, none of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're not old school charismatic. See, old school charismatic, that, we sing that song for two hours. It had like three lines to it. We sing it for two hours. He's under my feet. He's under my, like we go crazy. We just stomp on the devil's head. Y'all are like, what is he talking about right now? But because we know that the word of a God is actually our weapon. And so I want you to understand a little bit about the Word of God. And so I'm going to give you some things in your notes here. They're going to be a, a little bit deeper here, a little bit more. But I want you, to, the Word of God is broken down into three aspects. Uh, the first aspect is the graphe. It's the book. It's the writings. It's the, it's the physical Bible that I have right here. It's actually the most verified source of, of any content on the entire planet. There's been more, there's been more discovery, more actualization, more realization more things that have, have pointed to that the Bible is actually true. In fact, do you know that the, this has been the most scrutinized book? Not only has it been the most scrutinized book, but every single year, if they would keep it up there, it would be the number one New York Times bestseller every single year. There's not a book on the planet that sells as much, impacts as much, is, is written as much about as the Bible. So the graphite, and then there's the logos, and this is a little bit wrong in your notes for some reason and it was doubled in there, but it should be, the second one should be logos. It's the message of the Bible. So it, it's the message of the Bible. There are 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a 1500 year period of time. So it's written by a lot of different people, but the messaging is all the same. It's the message has always been about our need for a savior and our reconnection to God. And it's always been foreshadowing and foretelling and talking about this man named Jesus because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so it's been constantly, this is the message of the Bible. You can look back in the Old Testament and you see it uh, in, in, in Joseph. Joseph was constantly put in all these situations and eventually he becomes the redeemer of his people. Why was he the redeemer of the people? Because it was a foreshadowing of who God would be. Then you can look at uh, uh, different stories in there from, you can look at uh, Abraham and Isaac, Abraham has to sacrifice his son and God provides a sacrificial lamb. It's a foreshadowing of what God is gonna do for you and I. It's, it's constantly pointing to Jesus all throughout scripture. 
And so that's the logos. It's the message of the Bible. And then we have the rhema. It's the spoken word. There are movements that have taken this to the extreme, but there's something about the spoken word. We are going to name it and claim it. We're going to confess it and possess it. We're going to see it and we're going to be it. And and at times, like I, I come out of that kind of background. That's what we grew up in. And there's some times that it can go to the extreme, but there's something about the spoken word of God that radically transforms people. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so you have all three aspects of this. And what happens for a lot of us is we become really ingrained or in tuned in one of those aspects or two of those aspects. And so we might be really big on the, the graphe, or we might be really big on the logos aspect of the Bible or the rhema aspect. And I wrote it in your notes like this. It's not enough just to study the word or know the word. You must also speak the word. In other words, You've got to have all three of these areas covered to understand that this is a powerful, powerful tool that God has equipped us with and put into our hands. And I believe that Jesus ultimately gives us the inspiration for this when he's in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights in prayer and fasting. He's gone through this entire time. The enemy comes and he begins to tempt Jesus. And the enemy, what does he try to use? He, he Three times he tries to turn Jesus against his father. And what does he use? He uses the word of God. So, so it's not just enough to know God's word. It's not just enough to understand God's word. It's like you got, you got to know it. You got to understand the context of it. And then you've got to, every time he came at him, he spoke. He said, as it is written, referring to God's word, is how he actually combated the enemy in those places, which tells me that that this book isn't just historical or it isn't even a really good book. It actually has the power to save our lives. It has the power to change some things in life. I remember uh, the day that we picked up Alexander from, from the foster care agency. He'd just come out of the hospital. And uh, when we picked him up that night, when we were picking him up, we, we never had children. And we showed up there. We, they gave us this baby. And they were telling us, they were telling us, hey, listen, he's going to have a lot of problems. I remember that, that first, first day they, we got him, they said, uh, he's got some major kidney issues. Um, we're not sure what's wrong with his kidneys, but he's going go to need to go to the hospital this week. We're going to need to figure out what's wrong with his kidneys. Uh, because he, he's a drug baby. He had every drug in his system. He has tremors. He will suffer from tremors for the rest of his life. Like, they'll be uncontrollable. And, and we saw a, a couple of those that first night. They, they told us that he will never be able to be soothed. He'll, he'll probably never be able to have all these things happen because of the, the major drug use in his life. And I remember we brought him home that night. He, he had a tremor as, as we were holding him. And, and we, we just stopped right there. I remember Shayla and I stopping right there and going, you know what? I know what the world has told me. But I also know what God's word has told me as well. And the world's told me this, this child's going to have all these issues. And that night, we laid our hands on him, and we started speaking God's word over him. We said, we started praying that God, no weapon shall prosper. No weapon formed against this child shall prosper. We, we started thanking God that the curse of law was broken in Galatians 3.13 when Christ was hung upon the cross. And the curse of law was sickness and disease, that this child is not going to have that. We started rebuking the devourer from co- trying to come and steal, kill, and destroy the, this child's life and his future. And as we started praying for this child, do you 
you know that he never had another tr- tumor tremor in his life? Do you know that when he went to the hospital that week to check on his kidneys that they said had all kinds of issues? They couldn't find a single issue there. Why? Because there is power in God's word. And it isn't just to defend our lives. It's actually to take back what the den- enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. And we're not, I don't, I'm tired of the church getting their butts kicked because they don't know the truth of God's word. And we're not just a church that talks about, man, we need to live this stuff out. Like God wants to do some things in your life in 2 Corinthians. The reason why we did that is 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 4, and 5 says the weapons we fight not with, with are not weapons of the world. We're, like, we're not fighting with a physical sword, people. We're not fighting with guns. We're not fighting with knives. We're, we're fighting with something different in life. He says we're not fighting with weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the the word of God. Listen, I'm not fighting uh, with a spirit, a physical sword. I'm fighting with a spiritual sword. And I want us to be equipped to understand that we have been given a sword that can change things in our lives. So here's some things that I want you to know about the word of God, which is your weapon for not only a great defense, but a potent offense. Number one, the word is inspired by God. It's inspired by God. It's written by man, but it was inspired by God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. So if it's all God-breathed, that means it's all God-inspired. And is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. We talked about the fact that we need a breastplate of righteousness. How do we get that? It's by getting in the word of God. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped... For every good work. So it's the, the, it means that this book isn't just for some good information for your life. It is actually here to equip you. It's actually here to train you. It's actually here to set you up for the things that are going to come forward in your life. It's going to teach you. It's going to train you. It's going to correct you. It's going to call you out and rebuke you at times. Man, it's going to help you become in right standing with God. And so I was thinking about this this week. Why, why, is it, why does it do that? Because the word of God, you know what it's hung on? It's hung on the belt of truth. And here's what truth does is it teaches, it corrects, it rebukes, it trains. And we, and we talked about this in like the third week of this series. The, the, the belt of truth isn't a thing. It's actually a person And truth's name is Jesus. And so here's what what will happen if, if we'll understand that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, referring to Jesus, we'll understand that the reason that it's inspired by God is because it's always been about God. And the authority that comes with that. And I've just learned in life that the the authority of things determines a lot of aspect of life. Like Shayla and I, uh, this this 4th of July, we were in North Carolina uh, at at some friend's house hanging out, and we were driving back from their place to where we were staying in, in North Carolina. And as we were driving on these mountain roads, Shayla kept telling me to slow down. 
Any, any, any husband ever had their wife tell them to slow down? Am I the only one that's out there? A couple of us, a couple of us. Uh, some of you all must not drive because here's what I know. If you're driving, she's telling you to slow down because that happens in my, my home all the time. And so Shayla's telling me to slow down. And, 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 what, what, and this is going to sound terrible, but, but what I realized is that her authority didn't really matter in that situation. I kept driving the same speed that I was driving. And as we were driving down these roads, she's like, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm driving the same way I've been driving. And all of a sudden, how many of y'all know the blue, blue lights come on? How many of y'all know I started slowing down really fast? In fact, I slowed down so much that I was able to, to acquire the, a, a gift to the state of North Carolina of $150. None of y'all have probably done that either. I'm, I'm a generous person. You know, I just want to contribute to their society there. Uh, why? Because I, I've just learned a command is only as powerful as the authority that it comes from. When Shayla told me to slow down, <laughs> like, whoa, 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 I just shot as fired. I'm probably going to be sleeping in another room, but the command is only as powerful as the authority. So, like, I, I didn't take much, but when that guy, I, I, you know, I, I've learned some things about cops. They told me, uh, nine, you're fine, ten, you're mine. And so, like, that's how I've always driven. Isn't, isn't that the rules? Where's, where's police? You're, you're a police officer, sir. Nine, you're fine. Ten, you're, you're mine. Is that true? I, don't, uh, I know there's some other cops in here. Uh, we don't want to encourage that, but I, that's just what I was told. And, and when you're on the interstate, it's just the speed, the flow of traffic. 70 does not matter. It's flow of traffic. But uh, anyways, just what I've been told. I just put it out there. Straight from the pulpit. Try that. Tell a police officer that. See how that goes. Because the command is always as powerful as the authority, and I don't really have much power, so I'm just letting you know that right now. Uh, <laughs> so here, here's, here's the point of all this. Now your pastor said it's fine to speed. I'm just, I'm just. What I'm trying to get to is we have to understand the authority that the word of God carries in life. It isn't just some historical text or written by a group of people, but it is actually the inspired word of God. And what that means is that this book should actually hold some weight in our lives. And what we have to understand that inside this book, there are so many things that God has spoken that are true for your life. There are more than 7,000 promises in here for you, for each and every one of you. But with every single one of those promises is a premise. There's an action that you have to take that is inspired by God. If you'll do this, then this will be what will take place. And if we would recognize what God said and we will grab hold of it and we will begin to walk in it, we'll see this offensive weapon start to, not only do, can we play defense, but all of a sudden we can play offense in our life because we start to realize that the word of God is inspired by God. Number two, the word of God is living and active. Charles Swindoll, a great pastor, he says, news articles may inform us, novels may inspire us, poetry may enrapture us, but only the living, active word of God can transform us. It's the only thing that can transform us. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and it judges the attitudes 
of our heart. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this picture they're about to throw up right here uh, of, of this whole thing. It, it, it says the, the, the soul and the spirit. So it's judging, it's going through and it's dividing the soul and the spirit. Why, what's it doing is it's trying, to, it's trying to change our heart, but it's also trying to change our mind. It's trying to help us understand the thoughts and the things, because what's the enemy doing? He's attacking us through our thought life. We, we've talked about how many of us are struggling because we're being overwhelmed in our mind, and, and, and God's word is actually the thing that will help us combat those things in our lives. And we talked about that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So here's what happens when you get in God's word. Not only do you read God's word, but God's word starts to read you. That's what it does. It starts to change and it starts to transform you. It starts to, to, to actually sharpen you in life so that when you are attacked, all of a sudden you do have this weapon inside of you that is sharp and it's ready to go and it cuts through the baloney of this life. And a lot of us, what we need is we need this book in our life because this book is not just a fairy tale story. In fact, it's one of the most verified books in all of history and academia, which makes it a great historical reference. But if we aren't careful, that's all that we're taking it for. And it's so much more than that. It's alive and it's active in life. It is the spoken word of God. The Bible actually says in Isaiah, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return from me void. This is God talking. It shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. How can it not be void? Here's how, because it's alive and active. It's one of the reasons why we encourage you to pray God's word. Because one of the things I love about prayer is that prayer lasts beyond that moment. It continues to go out there because it's, it's setting forth into motion something. And here's what I know is as we begin to pray God's word over our life, it, it goes forth because that's what God said it would do. And it will accomplish what God actually pleases for it to do. And it will prosper in your life. And some of us need God's word to go deep inside of us and change some things. And bring life to some dead areas. Because here's what God's word does. God wor God's word brings life to dead things. I learned this so much during the middle of COVID. During the middle of COVID, I was... I Listen, as a church, we were, we were blowing and going. We were running out of room. We would, we would never have a service with this many empty seats right now. I'm just telling you that. There was not a service that looked like this. Like we, we six services, we were about to add a seven service. COVID hits, everything changes. All of a sudden, all I could see was all the trouble, all the problems, all the things that were out there. And in the middle of all of that, I was, I was pulling back on all of this idea of legacy. We're not gonna move forward. We're not gonna take advantage. We're not gonna do all those things. And here's what I realized. When I can't see, I go back to what God said. And here's the, what I know about our lives. When we're in the middle of battles, when we can't see any longer, when we're overwhelmed, what we need to do is we need to get back into his word that is alive and active and get back to what he said and to let it begin to breathe life. Because in the middle of that, all of a sudden I said, no, no, no. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. God called us to take ground. He called us to move forward. It doesn't matter what the world's doing because I know what God said. And what God said triumphs over anything that I'm seeing right now. And for some of you guys, you've been looking at your problems too long instead of looking at the bigness of your God. You've been looking at how, how things have not gone your way instead of trusting in how God said he'll turn the way. And some of us, we need to start getting back to the truth of what he said instead of what we see. Because he wants to breathe some life 
into those dead areas of your life. Why? Because his word is alive and it's active and that's what it does. Number three, the word of God must be applied. It's inspired. It's alive and active. But now there has to be some application to our life. And I always go back to this story in, in, in Joshua chapter 1 where, where Joshua is taking the reins from Moses. And, and he's beginning to move forward and, and into the promised land that, that God has called them to. And, and, and God says to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Multiple times, three times he tells him, be strong and be courageous. And then in verse 7 he says, this is what he says after he tells him to be strong and courageous. He says, be careful to obey all the law the servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law Depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Here's what I know about us in life. All of us want to be prosperous and successful. Like if I were to take a poll, how many of you guys want to be epic failures and losers in life? No, nobody's going to go like, sign me up for that. No, 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 we all want to be prosperous. We all want to be successful. We all want to accomplish. We all want to achieve. He's trying to instill some courage in us. And, and what he's saying is, is, he's saying, man, you want to have courage? You want to you see yourself prosperous and successful? You want to take some ground and you, you want to defeat the enemy? Then, then what is going to go from, it, it, it's got to go from communication to meditation. Then it's got to go to application in your life. What does that mean? It means if you're taking notes, man, you got to start to begin to speak God's word. It says, don't let this depart from your mouth. Says, don't, don't let this word. Why? Because there's, there's power in the spoken word of God. It's a weapon of our warfare. In fact, in Joshua chapter 6, it's actually the weapon that God uses to tear down the walls of Jericho. What did he say? He said, march around. And on the last day, what did they do? They shouted. It's what God had spoken. I, I need you to shout. And the walls came down. It's a weapon. And some of us need to start looking at our situations and speaking to things that aren't as though they are. That's what the Bible actually tells us to do. Because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And God's got some eternal things if we would just start to apply and speak his word out. Not only do we need to speak it, but he also tells us we need to think it. He says, meditate on it day and night. Why? Jesus said, the words you speak, you know where they come from? They come from your heart. So in order for God's word to come out of your mouth, it must first be meditated on in your heart. 
then it comes out of your mouth. That doesn't happen in a casual relationship with God. It comes from you, from you going, God, I need more of you. I want more of you. I want more of your word in my life. It's one of the reasons why we tell you, man, man, there's, there's devotionals on your seat this weekend. Get in that devotional, read the scripture, meditate on that scripture, write it down on a, on a three by five card. We talked about this on, on our podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. How I learned God's word is I would, every day I would take out a three by five card and whatever scripture stood out to me, I'd write it down and I would carry it with me all day long. And all throughout the day when I was bored or I wasn't doing anything, I'd pull it out and I'd just read it. You're like, that's kind of fanatical. No, 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 that's kind of powerful. It's why I don't get my butt kicked because I have a sword that is effective. And it's why you're getting your butt kicked every day because you don't. And I'm tired of watching Christians get their... (laughs) Something handed to you all the time when you don't have to. But then he just, he, he says, do it. Do everything written in it. You know what the word everything means? It means like all of this. It doesn't mean like some of it. The problem is, is a lot of us, we've watered down God's word. We've taken what we like and we're good with that. And what we don't like, we toss it out. The problem is, is that's not how it works. We're in church. We realize, man, I need to change. I I need to start serving. I need to put God first. I need help in my finances. I need to forgive my spouse. I need to forgive my parents. Whatever reason. But a lot of us, we don't go fully through with any of those things. Want to know why? Because partial obedience doesn't work. I read this story, and this is a terrible story, but I'm just going to tell it anyways. This guy was driving through his town, and he saw a stop sign, and he kind of like rolled through the stop sign. He didn't completely stop, and he just kept going, and a cop pulled up behind him and pulled him over, and he walked up to him, and he, he took out his little club, and he started hitting him, and he says, hey, do you want me to stop, or do you want me just to slow down? Because a lot of us, what we do is, is we don't fully obey. We, we, we kind of go to it. If we would just obey it. And we know this doesn't work in real life because try paying part of your mortgage, not all of it. (laughs) Try paying part of your car payment, not all of it. Try paying part of your insurance, not all of it. And so many of us, we do that in our relationship with God. Okay, you can have my life, just don't mess with this part. Okay, God, you you can have my family, just don't mess with my money. And I just believe that our effectiveness with the weapon of God's word is going to be determined by our obedience to God's word. And if you'll actually get in this book, you'll find out what it really says. You'll soon discover that you're not fighting for victory. You're actually fighting from victory. Because we have, the battle has already been won. We just haven't realized it yet because we've never understood the authority that God has given to us through his word and enabled it 
and empowered it in our lives. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I just pray for every man, for every woman, for every student that's in this room. God, I'm just so tired as, as a pastor of seeing people be defeated. From seeing them fall to the same things over and over again when, when you've given them such an effective weapon of your word. That not only defend ourselves from the attacks of the enemy, but actually take offense and begin to take back things that have been taken from us. And God, right now, I just pray that every single person in here, God, that they would have a desire and a passion to actually get into your word, to meditate on it day and night. That they, God, that it would begin to be something that they speak. It would begin to be something that they, they do in their life. That they would not only just hear your word, that they would recognize that it's alive, that it's written by you, and that it needs to be applied in their life. And as they do, God, that you would change, that you would transform, that you would, you would begin to do what only you can do in their lives. God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit, he would challenge us today. He would challenge us from the inside out. To not be passive in our faith, but to be active in our faith. To be passionate in our faith. To sacrifice our time and and, and to get in and to know you. Because God, you want to know us. And I pray that when they open up this book, God, that it would become alive in, before them. That it would search the depths of their heart and it would reveal things and it would speak things and it would breathe new life. It would breathe new courage. It would breathe, breathe new, new dreams and visions in their lives. It would challenge them and it would teach them and it would correct them and it would rebuke them and it would help, help them to discover the purpose and the plan that you have for them. God, your word is so incredible. Move in our hearts and move in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, have, have you guys?